Welcome to Trek Companion, episode 34. I am your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. Today we are discussing the last three episodes of DS9's fifth season, Nor In the Cards, and Call to Arms. Uh, we will also be completing our series of listener guest hosts as Benji Stanley will be joining us for those last two episodes. Let's do it. <laughs> Impact Noor, Season 5, Episode 24, Production Number 522, Original Air Date, May 19th, 1997, Teleplay by Hans Beimler, Story by Brian Fuller, Directed by Michael Viger, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Andrew J. Robinson as Garrick, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, Tom Hodges as Pachetti, Andy Milder as Bokta, Marjean Holden as Stolzoff, and Jeffrey King as Amaro. With Deep Space Nine in disrepair, O'Brien is unable to replicate the Cardassian materials he needs to make the proper repairs. So he assembles a team of engineers and leads a salvage mission to Empok Nor, an abandoned Cardassian space station. Bring along Garrick to foil any security measures. They soon enter the eerie, deserted station and begin to work. While salvaging, Garrick is disturbed to find two stasis tubes that have been recently activated, each large enough to contain a, a Cardassian adult. And unaware to anyone else, the, mis- the mission becomes extremely deadly. Where did you get this? Uh, from its former owner. You killed one of the soldiers? One down, one to go. Uh, by the way, I took a tissue sample from the soldier's body. The analysis was rather fascinating in a grim sort of way. It seems the unfortunate soul had been given a massive dose of psychotropic drugs. Uh, this is an interesting episode here. <clears throat> you know, I think I say that a lot, don't I? I like to start my discussions off that way. I love it. Okay, well, I find this episode intriguing. <laughs> um, you know what? It, it really reminds me. There's so many things about this episode that remind me of an original series episode. Now, uh, original series episode would obviously never be quite this dark or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of little things. Like, first of all, it immediately reminds me of, and you guys helped me out, was it the name of the episode? But the one where they go on another ship that's exactly like the Enterprise, but it's not the oh, Enterprise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, um, yeah. I don't remember the name of that episode. Um, but they <laughs> they go on that ship, and, you know, it's a cheap way to have a whole new set without building a whole new set. Oh, you know? the Tholian <laughs> web. Right, web. Right, Tholian Web, right. They just do a little bit of a, a redress, and... And uh, that's one thing that, that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a whole long list here of things, but I'll just jump to like it's a very, the episode ends in a big fist fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is like half of the episodes of the original series end with a fist fight. I don't know. There's just little, a lot of little things, but um, you know, ultimately, of course, it is definitely darker. And I don't just mean visually there's less light but you know it's darker and the story is a darker story than anything that would have been told in the original series um but those those are the first thoughts i had about this one uh what do you guys what do you guys think i um yeah i i enjoyed it overall i i thought it you know it was interesting to see garrick o'brien interaction because you know (laughs) we haven't we haven't seen a lot of that you know so uh, that was interesting and uh Mm -hmm. um the, the parts of some parts of it kind of had a, some of that lower decks feel, you know, because you with the yeah. uh, pe- the little crew, the crewmen that you never see or yeah, hear or whatever talking to like, each other. All of a sudden, you got like four people or something coming onto this sh- yeah. the shuttle, 
or runabout, um, and you're like, and they're the way they're at, they're immediately having conversations with each other. Then you're thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, lower decks, totally, yeah, yeah. And so I think, so I think it's a, it's 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 kind of I don't say fun. It's not a fun episode, but it's it's something different, it's kind of thrown in, and it's and it's one of those for DS9 or in this time period of DS9, a rare standalone episode, pretty much. You know, it's just kind of a little capsule, and it's just easily digested, whatever. You know? Well, you know, I barely remembered this episode, and that's saying a lot. Really? considering Garrick episode, right? Right. right. Um, I'm wondering if is that because it's a standalone kind of episode, or is that you know, which a lot of the stuff in DS9 from now to the end isn't really going to be so standalone. It's going to be a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe because know, it's it's yeah. so close to the big arcs that happen now. Or that is it, it because lost, it's not you know? a strong episode? Well, maybe a little both. What were you going to say, Caesar? Sound like you were about to say something? Oh, I was just going to make a joke that all the um, lower deck people should have been wearing red. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, they didn't they, keep they, any of them. They were all killed, right? Yeah, <laughs> except for you know, I guess the closest would be Nog. He kind of has that, you know, what would you call it? Pink, purple. Yeah, well, he's got that cap- red cadet uniform thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a like, one tool that got, got, got he got stabbed with. That's a dangerous tool. You think they've got to figure out a way to make it not so sharp? You know, yeah, you're right. working with that. <laughs> <laughs> that that sh- they should have thought of that when they were building the station. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, if we can't come up with a different tool, let's use a different piece of machinery. It doesn't require a knife. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I and I do truly, truly love Garrick. I mean, I really <laughs> love Garrick. But well, okay, I will say first of all, he has a line in here, something near the beginning. He says something like. <laughs> People are starting to trust me. It's unnerving. <laughs> yeah. I love that line. But um, <clears throat> I don't know. In a way, I'm not sure this was the most effective use of Garrick here because I don't know. It seems a little on the nose or, uh, you know, like a little bit easy to just, just make Garrick uh, the crazy killer with having him drugged up, first of all. And secondly, I don't know about you guys, but maybe it's because I love Garrick so much. I have such an image of him as such a bad mother that mm-hmm. if he had you alone on a dark station and wanted to kill you, you might as well just sit down and wait for him to come. <laughs> you yeah. know, that Garrick gets bested by O'Brien. You know, Yeah, you can kind of make something up a little bit and say, well, he wasn't really himself because he was drugged and whatever. Okay, maybe. Um, but I feel like he should have been way more of a bad mother huffer. Well, well, he did beat the crap out of him at the end. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it did take a total trick. There was no... I'm yeah, it was, a, it was yeah. a rope-a-dope. <laughs> I mean, you give a you can give O'Brien a little bit more credit. He's a smart guy. He can figure things out, and I think they yeah, kind of set that up. I think they set that up in the early part of the episode. Yeah. You know? um, well, it's certainly, um, like I said, far darker. Um, just near the end there, when O'Brien's coming coming on there, um, and you've got the bodies. He hung the uh, Garrick hung those bodies on the promenade. That. That's pretty dark. I don't remember them. Being yeah, yeah, yeah. At maybe his, outside of pictures or something. That's his con move. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the first. Yeah, I think it's Star Trek too. And another uh, thing is, uh, not, not like I'm just looking for something to gripe about, but it, but um, 
you know, it's one of these that wraps up so easily by, by definite, it has to, you know, they're moving yeah, on to bigger that's things. That's one thing I really want to talk about. Because, and, and you think, yeah, you can't help but think, okay, he was under some kind of influence, but it's a little subtle and Garrick is Garrick and he killed a bunch of Starfleet people, you know, and then it's just kind of like, he oh, he wasn't influenced, it's going your way, you know. He killed one Starfleet person, right? Okay, so yes, yes. Yeah. No, no, that's still a very big deal. And that's that was a question I'd written down here I wanted to ask you guys, you know, so what do we think about the fact that Garrick killed this person. So for one, yeah, he's drugged, but he's not a completely different person. There's still Garrick in there. Um, two, unfortunately, as we have um, critiqued many times, there is a lack of consequence here on on all Star Treks, maybe. But mm-hmm. DS9, less so than others, but still, this is a good example of where um, it it does like consequence, you know. There is maybe a slight reference to this episode later. I don't remember the episode, but there's an episode where with Garrick, what, where Nog makes it clear that he doesn't trust Garrick, and I think right. they kind of reference that it was because of this episode. And that's about the closest thing to consequence we really get from it. But as far as as far as you know, Garrick having killed this security officer Amaro, and just tells uh, you know. Uh, O'Brien to tell his wife or something, you know, that he's, what did he say? Tell her, tell her, sorry. I don't know what he said. Yeah, yeah, basically, basically, Mm -hmm. you know, but even there. So is that even a very Garricky kind of thing? Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's, 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 they kind of, they kind of wrote themselves into a corner with that. You know, as soon as they killed him, they got to, there's got to be some kind of consequence. Can't, they have to acknowledge it at the end. But yeah, it comes off as, would he really say sorry? Um, he's not getting punished in any way, but how could he if he's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a problem. In my research for this episode, I was hoping to uncover if that was a big decision for them to have Garrick kill the security officer. And I found nothing about it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, as if it wasn't a big deal. If it was no conversation, yeah. um, it, it it works narratively. You know, you are surprised. You're like, yeah, you know, holy crap! Mm-hmm. He just killed him. You know, and even more crazy in that he just saved him and then killed him. You saved mm-hmm. him by killing the other Cardassian. Um, and then you know, narratively, a lot of the time, I don't know about you guys again, but I felt way, 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 way ahead of everybody in this episode. You know, like. Mm-hmm. When Garrick first comes to them and tells them that the Cardassian, the first Cardassian that he killed, had died of a, he had a psychotropic drug or something. I forget what mm-hmm. it was. You know, and then O'Brien's like, "Are you okay?" And he's yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later in the episode, O'Brien's <laughs> like, "Oh man, I should have seen it." He literally said, <laughs> earlier, yeah. I should have seen it coming. And well, I'm immediately thinking, "Yeah, I think you should have." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so well, I, yeah, yeah. All those realizations O'Brien had there, I, I, you know, I, I agreed with Garrick. They should have went after the Cardassians right off the start. Mm-hmm. But it sets up the the the, epi- so the end should, scene. Shouldn't everybody have been a heck of a lot more scared? You know, you show up onto this derelict, ghost shipy feeling station, which then I'd be like, you know, maybe we should have brought more than four guys, especially with booby traps on them. But wasn't the on the top bubbly? of that, these two Cardassians are released from these tubes. And you're like, hey, there's apparently two Cardassians running around trying to kill us. Okay, just be careful. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I felt like they should have been a lot more frightened. And I don't know. Yeah. Here was at the bully, and he was pretty frightened. Was the blue guy. He was wasn't that, that frightened. He still went off just with, with Amaro. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he got 
stepped on to death. <laughs> I, I I like any episode. It's you know it's it's proportional. The amount of Garrick in your episode is directly related to how good your episode is. So best possible Star Trek episode anybody could ever make would just be a, a, a shot of Garrick sitting in a chair for 42 minutes. <laughs> I still yeah. like this episode because it's got a lot of Garrick in it, but it's not our normal, quite normal Garrick. So, you know, that takes away from it. I don't know. Uh, what do we think this episode's about? Well, you could say um, something about um, your past being coming into the present. I don't know, like, because the whole scene with um, O'Brien and um, Garrick and the runabout talking about being a soldier and who you are, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's kind of reaching. I think that's, it's slightly reaching, but I think that's, if it's about anything, um, and I did find that in some of my research as well, that that's kind of what it is, you know, as you've always got this soldier in you, um, you know, and O'Brien is an engineer now, and there's a little bit of conflict between that and the the O'Brien that was and the O'Brien that is, but this 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 is a very, a very we've seen that same thing even dealt with with O'Brien, uh, way more in other episodes. Steve, did you um, have anything? What it's about? Yeah, oh. yeah, like I, I agree, something along that effect. I think if, yeah, if anything, it's it's basically focus. If you focus on kind of O'Brien's path and his his ruminations, it, yeah, it's something about. Um, you know, we're, what who we are is is a product of what, who we've been as well. You know, we we use and we use those elements, and we like basically he he had to be a soldier. He, he used he, his current engineer status, whatever, and the fact that he was a soldier in the past to to find success ultimately and get done what he needed to do. You know, you can ignore it, you can try to push your past away, but sometimes you have to you know use that to uh, get get something done, maybe. But, and, and that would have made for a great episode, but that's in there in such a small way, it feels like. Yeah, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. It could, yeah. It, it, and I think that's why, um, you know, the standards of this podcast, if we don't have a clear answer for what it's about, 95% of the time, the episode doesn't um, hold up quite as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think this episode feels dated. I just think that it feels... Um, like it didn't serve a much of a purpose. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's the, it's a complete standalone episode on its own. But they they, they reference it. They go back to Terra or Empok. What is it? Empok Nor. Mm-hmm. Boy, but they go back there. What two two more times? Maybe or is it one? Oh. I already just remember one. One. What was the the um, Ferengi episode? Right. Um, but it's entertaining. It's got its little bit of intrigue, but I will say I couldn't help but think about um, Andy Robinson as um, Scorpio from uh, mm-hmm. Dirty Harry. You know the the role that made him famous in the early seventies. Mm-hmm. Serial killer, <laughs> crazy, crazy guy. <laughs> um, okay, are we done with this one? Yes, I think so. I Moving think so. on. Okay. <laughs> All right, six degrees for. Impacnor. <clears throat> Caesar. Yes. Andy Milder plays Bokta, the bully that gets stepped on to death by a <laughs> drugged Cardassian. In the Voyager 7th season episode, Renaissance Man, he played Nar, a member of the Hierarchy species. After capturing Janeway, the Hierarchy demand that the Doctor turn over Voyager's warp core. 
how does the doctor secretly infiltrate Voyager to accomplish this? Um, good Lord. I don't quite remember the episode, so I'm just going to have to make a guess. How does he infiltrate Voyager? Um, he pretends to, what do they change him into a, does he disguise himself as another crew person since he can see his hologram? He uses right. his holographic emitter to impersonate other members of the crew. That was, a, that was a total guess for everybody <laughs> out there. <laughs> if someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. That wasn't a guess. You knew it. Of course you knew it. <laughs> the whole time. In this same episode, how does Chakotay discover that Janeway is an imposter? Yeah, oh, man. I mean, I remember this episode barely, but... Um, she, uh, she doesn't drink her coffee in the morning or something. Uh, no, Mr. Caesar, do you know the answer? How does Dakota discover she's an imposter? What, does she try and kiss him or something? Poor posing as Janeway trying to kiss Dakota. Uh, uh, he picks up some story about Janeway and then when she does, that's not true. And then when she does not object, he realizes she's an imposter. Uh, yes, yes. Well, all right. Okay, we're going to take a short break while we add Benji. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hello, Benji Hello. Stanley. Yes, hey, how are you? How you doing, man? Doing good. We've been uh, anxiously awaiting. You've, uh, you're one of our original listeners. We are very glad to have you. Thank you uh, for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm, I've been really excited. Cool. Started listening to y'all, I think, eight episodes in, I think it was. Wow. Nice. Yeah, so, so it's uh, been, a, been a long time. Cool. Well, tell us, uh, and, and for the folks at home, tell us uh, when, what got you started in Trek? What was your first series? Oh, well, um, well, my first series was The Next Generation, and it was back in 1999. I was 10. Um, remember, I think what... What really got it started for me was um, actually watching the show with my dad growing up. He had been into the original series when he was younger, and I actually vaguely remember him watching some of the season seven Next Gen episodes when they originally aired. And there was was one year that I think I was about five or so, and uh, they got me a bunch of TNG toys for Christmas. I still have a few of them. I still have like an Enterprise D and a transporter. That's that sort of thing. And at that particular age, I wasn't crazy interested into track at that age. But um, by the time I was about 10, I started getting into it. My dad had got the whole first season of Next Generation on VHS tapes off of eBay. <laughs> and uh, I started watching those over and over again. And then when the DVD started coming out, I started getting all of those. And um, also at that time, Next Generation had started airing in reruns on mm-hmm. TNN, which later on became Spike back in 2001, I believe. I remember that. So, the rest is pretty much history. Um, after that, Deep Space Nine and Voyager, they came out on DVD in the following years. Never seen either of those, but I got the DVDs, watched them, loved them, still do. Um, and I think in 2008, I believe it was, I decided to finally give the original series and Enterprise a go, and I wound up really loving those two. So I'm just generally an all-around Trek fan. I just I love it all. So what is your favorite uh, of the series then? 
Um, Deep Space Nine, definitely. Oh, very good. Well, in that case, let's talk about some Deep Space Nine. All right. <laughs> in the Cards, Season 5, Episode 25, Production Number 523, Original Air Date, June 9th, 1997. Teleplay by Ronald D. Moore, Story by Truly Barr Clark and Scott J. Neal, Directed by Michael Dorn, Music Composed by David Bell. Guest cast include Jeffrey Combs as Wayun, Brian Markinson as Dr. Elias Geiger, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, Chase Masterson as Lita, and Louise Fletcher as Kai Wynn. As the Dominion threat to the Alpha Quadrant intensifies, Jake notices Dad growing increasingly depressed. Um, yet, at a turn of fortune happens when Jake hears that Quark plans to auction off a collection of antiquities that includes a vintage Willie Mays baseball card. Jake decides obtaining the card for his father is the perfect way to lift his spirits, and he persuades Nog to use his life savings to bid on the collection. But a, name, but a, na- <laughs> but a man named Dr. Geiger outbids them, taking the card and dashing Jake's hopes. A mid-20th century human baseball card... A Tholian pedestal. A baseball card. A mint condition 1951 Willie Mays rookie card. Nog, this is it. What do you mean? It's perfect. This is how I can cheer up my dad. You know how much he loves baseball. Benji, our guest, how about you kick us off on In the Cards? Uh, well, um, I definitely think it's a very, more of kind of a calm to the storm sort of, a th- sort of an episode. It's more of a humor episode it's a little bit of a lighter touch you know especially coming out of the last couple of episodes in the season and then the end of the season this episode really um to me seems somewhat like a throwback to the season one episode with the self-sealing stem bolts and that's yeah, how they're like constantly trading this for that yeah it, it yeah. is it mm-hmm. kind of seemed like it was Sort of a throwback to season one of getting Jake and Nog back together again, kind of Mm -hmm. running their childish schemes to try to do something good. And it's a fun episode. Um, And I I really liked uh, Dr. Geiger in the episode because he's just this crazy guy, but he's fun to watch. Wayun is fantastic in the episode. Um, It's definitely a really good episode. Definitely very fun. Well, it's a very unique episode in that uh, what is what would usually be the A story is the B story, and what would usually be the B story is the A stories. You know, so we got the B story, which yeah. is the serious, um, you know, win uh, negotiations with Wei Yun, and and will Bezier sign this uh, non-aggression pact to keep him out of the war, and it's a big setup for the very next episode in the last two seasons and stuff but that's the b story and the a story is kind of the comedy you know what you were just talking about with um jake and nog uh, chasing down this baseball card and and so it's it's it has a very unusual structure it i think it works there are times when i think it's it's barely working and they, mm-hmm. they're really straddling the fence there but they, they pull it off they do pull it off um I, although i've always thought that like that line um Lions, Geigers, and Bears, oh my. I think that they should oh, have yeah. said Lions, Geigers, and Teddy Bears, oh my. It would have taken, it would have taken the sting out of it for me. <laughs> Lions, Tiger, Geigers, and Kukalakas. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, that, that particular line was pretty cheesy, but it was it was supposed to be. I mean, it, parts of the episode, like you said, the A story feeling more like a B story. I just, I think this was one of those episodes where it was like, this is about to get really serious. So we're just going to take this episode and we're just going to have fun with it. And I think that they succeeded in that really well. 
Yeah, and and that, it and it does work as that penultimate episode uh, for the season, and with we know how how dark and and heavy the next episode is going to be, and the next few seasons are going to be. Um, Steve, what are your thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I, I thought it's a lot of fun. You know, it's not like the best thing ever, but yeah, I, th- I think uh, it is in a way. Um, like an homage of sorts to the uh, the Nog and Jake stuff from the past, you know, it's kind of a you know let's let's reflect on that one more time, and and, and I think it, there's a lot of funny stuff in it, you know, um, uh, comical things, and and also I'm a baseball fan, so then the whole thing about because they're pursuing a baseball card, that's some that's hmm. that's extra fun too. So I enjoy it, you know, it's cool. Yeah, Steve feels that in his heart that you know if Jake is doing everything. To bring this baseball card to his father, <laughs> really, really love him. <laughs> he understands that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Caesar, um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I think pretty much just as much as I did when I first saw it way back when. It's uh, um, Benji's right on. I mean, it's just a nice, light-hearted story um, going into the you know the final um, episode, which gets pretty dark and. It's kind of it's kind of in between two um, a very dark episode in Empire Nor, which we just discussed, and um, Call of Arms, which is more of a you know the you know the setup for the conclusion of this whole series. So um, I'm yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, had fun with it. I do I do like you. I didn't really think about your A B story scenario till just now, and it just made me think of like how Empire Nor is kind of a bunch of B characters performing a, a story as well so maybe they just kind of had that going into these last few well, I like how um, I like how Win or excuse me Wei-Yun gets involved in that A story I like how because it's, it's almost like Wei-Yun in the lighthearted bit there at the end which is the most enjoyable scene in the episode for me when um, Nog and uh, Jake are on Wayne's ship and he says, mm-hmm. you know, Wayne says, tell me what happened. And, and Jake tells him the truth. He doesn't believe him. And then Jake tell, <laughs> tells him, spins him the tale about the Willie Mays time traveler and the entire future oh, of the galaxy may <laughs> depend on us tracking down Willie Mays <laughs> and stopping him, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's funny to see, um, Wayne in that kind of scene, you know? Well, he's kind of a lighthearted guy. I like the um, I like the scene with Cisco and Wayun in the beginning. You know, when Wayun comes to the station, and he's all trying to be nice and gracious to Cisco, and Cisco's oh, basically right. kind of a <laughs> well, makes it very clear to him. Let's just put it this way: makes it very clear to him that he doesn't like him. And Wayun's just like, why? Why not? And the same thing happens with uh, Kai Wen later in the episode. Oh, right, mm-hmm. just his, his ear. You know, it's, no, you we and I are nothing alike. <laughs> <laughs> And you, you kind of feel, you, you know, if you didn't know who he was, you'd, you'd feel bad for him. You're like, oh, this this little guy, he's just trying well, to make friends. Well, it's hard not to that Jeffrey Combs plays, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so let's, uh, we should discuss the cellular regeneration and entertainment chamber. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have one in your home, right, Brian? I, I do, actually. I think it's, it's I think the same thing. Isn't that the same thing that Michael Jackson used for a while? <laughs> Yeah. All you, all you LA kids, you have your regeneration chambers. <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, it's the only place we can get actual oxygen. It's not. <laughs> I think uh, that's kind of like an interesting theory, though, of keeping your cells entertained yeah, so that it stops you from aging. I mean, that. Yes. <laughs> well, it's you listen to it, and it's so crazy that it almost sounds plausible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I definitely uh, enjoy that first 
scene between them when he he brings Jake and Nog in there and looks at him, and the first thing he says is, "Let me ask you one question: Do you want to die?" <laughs> just a look on their faces. Well, that's a good Nog's setup. Just, Who's going to say oh. yes? Yes, I do. <laughs> um, um, oh gosh, I don't know. I I love uh, I love Bashir. Bring me Kukalaka. I do like Kukalaka. I like I like an opportunity to yeah. say Kukalaka. The more times I say, <laughs> you can't say it without smiling a little bit. Um, uh, we're going to go around time. Uh, what do we What do we think this episode's about? Yeah, see, mm, uh-huh. <laughs> stopping yourselves from getting bored. Mm-hmm. Stopping yourselves from getting bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't, don't be de- Don't be depressed. Steve, what are you going to say? If if anything, it's it's the I think it's this the notion of you just going out of your way and doing absolutely everything you can, moving heaven and earth for people you love. You know, yes, yeah, that's good. You can also kind of say it's kind of like enjoying the moment as well. You know, you see all the crew crew members they're enjoying their, you know, you see O'Brien enjoying the kayaking, and they're all kind of just taking at the end. It's kind of like the montage. It's like the calm before the storm. They're just kind of getting to be themselves one last time. Well, I, I like, um, you know, so much of this series is the love of um, a father and son. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see um, Jake, you know, so often we see it in the other direction, but it's nice to see, it's nice to see Jake express his love this way. And, you know, and, and, and so much as that's what the entire, so much of what the entire series is about, um, you know, this little variation on that path, uh, it, it, it means something, you know, at least from scene to scene it does, you know, in the scene when, when um, Jake is convincing Nog <clears throat> to spend his life savings, you can tell it really is truly because he cares about his dad and then he thinks this this material item is going to um, bring his dad a, a, some joy at a time when he needs it the most. And, um, you know, like in that scene, it, it means something. And I feel that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know how much I feel that and see that in the entire episode. It does turn into, like Benji said, the self-sealing stumbles <laughs> for a bit and stuff things. But, you know, if that's what they're going for, I at least saw it and appreciated that. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think ultimately this episode is just kind of about taking time to enjoy the little things. And like like what y'all said, it's, it's taking time to do something for the people you care about, to be with the people you care about. And don't get lost in what's going on around you. And there's a lot going on around them at this point in the series. And this episode, they kind of get away from all that and they get back to more of a lighthearted track whereas deep space nine is generally a very dark track it's definitely the darkest of all the series and they they deal with a lot in the series yeah well so um you know there's just enough in there that it that it holds up overall this episode's the last thing i want to say about this episode is that it feels it's like watching the, the back to the future movies Part two is a really weird movie. You know, it really yeah, is. It is. I think it is. when you watch it with the part one and part three next to it, it's, it's fine. It, it works. It's good. This episode's kind of a really, it's, it's really a, it's a weird episode in the context of the series. 
it works. I don't think it's so weird. You know, if mm-hmm. I hadn't watched DS9 in a few years and I was flipping channels and it was on and I watched it, it would feel weird. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, in this, in this sense, in this in the context, flow. the way that we're all watching them now, it does not feel weird. Yeah, you yeah, don't need to be familiar with the series for it, I think. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the next episode we're going to discuss. Um, but before that... Six degrees for In the Cards. Benji. Brian Markinson plays Dr. Geiger, the nemesis for the soulless minions of orthodoxy <laughs> and keeper of the Willie Mays baseball card. In the Next Gen 7th season episode, Homeward, Markinson played Vorin, one of the primitive Boralans, uh, who Worf's brother Nikolai secretly beams onto the holodeck. When Vorin discovers that he is actually on a starship, he is told he can either remain on the Enterprise or return to his people without ever mentioning what he had seen. What does Vorin do? He commits ritual suicide. That is correct. He commits suicide. Score one for Benji. You know, it occurred to me as I was writing this question, I've asked a lot of questions where the answer was, he commits suicide. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I have, haven't I? Okay. Tricks about a positive future. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I don't think I ever noticed that until you pointed it out. I'm going to have to go back and listen to the yep. old episodes again now. <laughs> uh, Steve. Yes. Uh, oh, wait, wait, what was our, pre- our score from our impact no discussion? Um, I have none, um, and Adam has one. one. Adam has one. Okay, Steve, on, in Voyager's first season, Markinson um, played the human Starfleet officer, Lieutenant Peter Durst, in the episode Faces. In this same episode, he also played an alien named Sulan uh, with the same face as Durst's. How is this possible? What species was Sulan? Hmm... Okay, I kind of remember this. Does what was the episode? Yeah, I guess so. What, what yep. was the what season of what, what was it from? First season. Okay. Um, yeah, that that should help you, actually. Yeah, wasn't it that he um, was? Uh, oh, he, uh, the uh, the the phage folks. Yeah, the that, uh, with the disease. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he was. He stole bodies, parts, and right. such. And what was that species? Oh, the um, the Deans? You are correct. The Vidians. Vidians. Pulled that one out of your head, didn't you? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adam was salivating. He thought he was going to get that chance. <laughs> oh, no, I did. I, I I remembered the phase. I just remembered half of it. <laughs> uh, Adam, a Markinson previously played Peter Durst in an episode of Voyager called Cathexis. Uh, again, Markinson plays another character with his same face when he, along with several other Voyager crew members, is possessed by a primary member of Voyager's crew. Who possesses him? And if you remember this episode, that's the whole shtick of the episode. Mm-hmm. What season was it? First. First. Who possesses him? Um, the whole episode is uh, a Voyager crew member running around, his entity, his, his consciousness running around possessing people um would that be tuvok uh no back up to the top uh benji chakotay you are correct it was chakotay very good uh so uh benji has infinite as our guest and um, <laughs> steve has one and adam has one mm-hmm. okay let's finish the fifth season <laughs> 
Call to Arms, Season 5, Episode 26, Production Number 524. Original air date, June 16, 1997. Written by Iris Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf. Directed by Alan Croker. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Andrew J. Robinson as Garrick, Jeffrey Combs as Wayun, Mark Alamo as Golducott, Max Gredenchik as Rom, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, J.G. Hertzler as General Martok, Chase Masterson as Lita, Melanie Smith as Torres Yell, and Casey Biggs as Damar. When Starfleet Command notifies Cisco that he must stop further Dominion reinforcements from reaching Cardassia, he decides to mine the entrance to the wormhole, a move that will likely lead to war. Cisco's concerns are warranted when Wayun, the Dominion representative, arrives with a warning that they will take over the station unless Cisco removes the mines. Now the stage is set and war may be unavoidable. Can Cisco and crew safeguard Bejor and defend from an imminent attack from the Dominion and Cardassians? This is war. We must put aside our personal feelings and focus on the task at hand. I've been through my share of wars. I know what I have to do. But before you leave, I want you to know that the answer is yes. Yes. Yes to what? Yes, I will marry you. It's so much fun. I love this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This episode is... For me, this is the first episode of season six. <laughs> you know, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, this episode is so cool, and it's so much of what I remember and think of season six and seven as being. So that's one conversation. But the best thing about this episode is, holy crap, has there ever been so much stuff stuffed into one episode without feeling like it was too much? Mm-hmm. You know, there's like they've got almost every single person. I mean, all, all. I mean, obviously, all of the primaries, but all the the main secondaries. Almost everybody's here, yeah. and everybody gets some screen time. And that's the kind of thing I think about when I think about season six and seven, or that, you know, the really <laughs> awesome ten episode arc at the end of the entire series. That's so much fun, and so, you know, it moves so well. And that's the kind of thing too that that holds up so well because nowadays, you know, like my favorite shows and the best shows on TV. Like for example, Ron Moore and David Icke's Battlestar. You know that that's that show. Every episode moves like this episode. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so by today's standards, Call to Arms is is still is still very good, and, and I I really feel that way. Um, I don't want to monopolize the conversation. Uh, what do you? Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's like the efficiency in the writing or something. You know how it's like we're not wasting time with anything. I mean, it's just the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. You know. I mean, it's just you know get to the point. I think that's how they fit it all in without it seeming like it's stuffed. You know. What I mean, it's because mm-hmm. it's and that also makes it episode feel pretty cinematic too because um, as it feels like an action film a little bit. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've talked before. I know you really you really like it when they when they do that sort of thing when it feels cinematic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something you like. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't. Yeah, a TV show couldn't do that all the time, but but yeah, ever so often, it really it's 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 cool. Yeah, it's well, nice. even in this show, they could only do all this stuff with again with all these years of setup, and that's mm-hmm. you know I love all Star Trek, but DS Nine is my favorite, and the reason for that I think is modern sensibilities are uh, story arcs, you know, and, and the other, sh- the Gene Roddenberry shows, Gene Roddenberry is very against that, the Gene Roddenberry shows are, are just don't do that, um, but nowadays, that's what all television does, is I've talked about that before, you know, and this is the perfect example kind of episode, you know, uh, with the way Star Trek can do it, this is how Star Trek can do it, you know, and this episode, I think you could watch it by, it wouldn't feel weird like the last one, um, you might be a little lost, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, um, I think, the gist, it, though. I think you would follow the story, but it wouldn't have the kind of, you know, 
for example, uh, Ram and Lita get married into in, in, that scene is like what two minutes, if that. It's probably mm-hmm. shorter or a nah, better example um, of the many things that happened in this episode when um, Jazia comes up and and tells Worf the answer is yes, I'll marry you, and there's a reason for you to get back, you know. And these these things have a lot more of emotional impact um, when you've seen. <laughs> the preceding uh, five years of DS9. But narratively, it makes sense. So it does work on both levels. But um, ultimately, this, this episode is, is just is such a treat for the fans of the show who've been watching it for all these years. You know, we get so many payoffs. Um, there's, mm-hmm. there's so many great things in here. Um, Gosh, what should we start with? Uh, you know, here, there's an aspect of Cisco's character that I like a lot that's displayed in this episode. His practicality. Whenever he tells... Um, uh, K- er, uh, <laughs> Kira, excuse me. When he tells Kira that Bajor needs to sign the non-aggression pact, um, that is a perfect example of, of him being practical, of him... Uh, <laughs> You know, knowing exactly what the most important thing is. You know, he, for example, also he's he's not going to stay on DS9 and fight to the death. No, he's, he stays there long enough to make sure that the mines get deployed and then they split. You know, mm-hmm. um, live to fight another day type of motto. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was wondering about <clears throat> was Ducat. I mean, was it? kind of dumb of him or was it overconfidence or what you know when they arrive right so he he sends a few ships over to stop the defiant and then most of his ships to attack the station now we he doesn't realize it's going to be how hard it's going to be for them to do de- to deactivate those mines in the future so you know maybe hindsight's 2020 but it's not like the station was going anywhere Right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it would have been smarter for him to send everybody after the Defiant. Yeah, I think so too. Easily, it just doesn't work for the story. Yeah, <laughs> but it would be the smarter well, choice. You yeah. know, I I think that there is a plausible answer though. I you know I had written this down for us to talk about it, and then the more I thought about it, the more I felt like, well, you know, that he Dakot does have his own tragic flaw, and he does have this personal uh, yeah affinity for the station. He has this personal mm-hmm. sense of of um failure in regards to the way he lost the station you yeah. know and that sure. that tragic flaw may be what caused him to focus his efforts on retaking the station rather than stopping the defiant which is what he should have done would have been the better thing for the de- for the dominion mm-hmm. that's true well i mean you, you see it there he's, he's not really concerned about the minefield i mean he basically he's ready to take the station and then move right over to bajor until you know William kind of puts him in his That's place right, yeah so we you know we've seen really um the ducat ego explode in this season i mean it, i mean it really has he's kind of he's got his power he's got his groove back if you will and um <laughs> um he intends to to seek his revenge i guess on everybody who wronged him um uh, Ira Bear talked about has talked about this episode as being one of goodbyes. Um, Benji, what's your favorite goodbye in this episode? Um, I would probably have to say Dax and Worf, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and you know, you, I know you and I have actually discussed this in emails before that I'm I'm not a huge fan of Dax, but um, I, I do like. Worf and Dax together at the same time, and I I think that 
Dare Goodbye was was really good. Um, I also really enjoy um, Rom and Lita. That was really good as well. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of really good ones. I mean, the just y'all pretty much really nailed it on the head. The whole episode is just fantastic. I mean, and I'm sure that you'll get to it here in a few minutes. But I, I think that to me, I think the best part of the whole episode is probably the last five minutes of it. It's just the whole episode is awesome, but towards the end of it, it gets really, really good. With all the goodbyes. Yeah, all the goodbyes, just the mm-hmm. the way the episode ends, the way it sets the tone. It sets up for what, the future, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this episode, mm-hmm. like like you said, like when you think of season six and seven, this episode really does set the tone for what the rest of the series is going to be like. And Deep Space Nine, when you think about it, has always done that. And I, I think that y'all have said this on previous episodes, that... Deep Space Nine really doesn't do season finales in the same way that the other series did them, where it was usually a two-parter that was to be continued. The next season would pick up immediately where the last one left off. And with this series, we kind of get more of this is what you're going to have to deal with next season. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the time, the next season picks up a couple of months after the previous season. So there's sometimes a little bit of a gap in it. Every season really raises the bar, and I won't get into season six because I know y'all are waiting to discuss that. But pretty much, I think every every season, the season finale gets more intense than the last every season. Mm-hmm. Well, and I remember this, this episode was no exception. I re- I've talked about this on our podcast too, but I, I remember watching DS Nine, you know, week to week. Um, because, you know, by the time DS9 was in its heyday, um, I had fallen in love with Star Trek. Once you're in love with Star Trek, you can watch it week to week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, I remember, again, I talked about this before, but I remember this sense of uh, this war with the Dominion is coming, it's coming, it's coming, and for like years, you know, and just push it back, push it back, push it back, push it back. No, it's not coming yet. Or so many times when they set it up like it was happening this time, and then it wasn't, and then it wasn't. You know, and this is the first time where it's full on, you know, unquestionable. They're shooting each other, and they're abandoning the station, you know. And there was mm-hmm. this great sense of um, uh, satisfaction for, you know, teasing it and teasing it and finally delivering it. Mm-hmm. And I think if they'd waited another season, I would have burst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there was something, you know, the the choice, you know, to have the to have them do what they did and you know leave the station and have it kind of separate for a number of episodes, you know, going forward. Um, that kind of that kind of helps sell the enormity of it. You know, if, if it had just been a big battle, somehow they make it through it, the battle and it, you know, and it kind of keeps going, but there's a war on now. It wouldn't have been as good as if people are displaced and that kind of thing. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, and Brian, I have to also, you know, really agree with you on the Dominion War because, and I remember the first time I was watching DS Nine like through for the very first time, and of course I was I was getting the DVDs, but I it was back when they were coming out like one season every two or three months, I think. So I would get a season, get through all of it, and then have to wait oh, a few months wait. Yeah. for the next one. <laughs> and since it wasn't coming on TV, once I got to the last episode, I was done for the next few months. And so it wasn't necessarily unlike 
watching mm-hmm. it when it originally aired, and yeah. I remember thinking the same thing that you you were that there have been mentions of the Dominion since season two, and now here we are, and it hasn't really officially started until season six. So, um, I, I in some ways I kind of do wish that it had started up sooner, but I at the same time I also think that it makes season six and seven that much better. Well, I definitely agree with with um, the, like each season, the end of each season up the ante more and more each time like you were saying uh, which, oh, definitely. Uh, you know when I'm watching this episode more than any other episode more than any other season finale when this one ended man I wanted to watch the next episode <laughs> did nobody else anybody else feel that way oh yeah, like, yeah. it was hard to resist it was oh, hard like oh man we gotta wait a couple weeks before we cause I mm-hmm. watch it if I watch it right now then I'm not gonna remember it well enough for yeah. the next yeah. discussion you know, but I really, really, really wanted. It really pulled me in and made me want to watch the next episode, and that is, uh, you know, a great sign. Um, no, definitely. Th- there's so many things in this episode that we'd just be um, uh, rattling them off. I, I, I hope someday. This is a side point. I hope someday, um, somebody that has way too much free time goes through all of Star Trek and takes out every time that Worf says somebody, some species, has no honor. The Romulans, they are without honor. I want them to cut all those together and and put that whole 50-minute thing on on YouTube. (laughs) I think it would be very funny. Uh, It turns out Klingons are the only ones left that do have honor. He'll name them all. That's right. And the the funny thing is, is half the Klingons don't have any honor either. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's a rare... There's a great line Cisco has in there. uh, We're losing the peace, which means uh, a war could be our only hope. That's great. I love the idea of self-replicating minds. Um, yeah. I love the scene between between um, uh, Odo and Kira. He's like, "There's something you should know." I've been thinking of asking you out. And she's like, okay, I knew. I expected this. He goes, "I know. This is going to be hard. You know. That's why we should put it off." Oh, great. You know, <laughs> that's it's a it's yeah. a great little. It's a thirty second scene. It's it's great. It's really well done. I love the scene between Cisco and and um, Wei Yun because. Even now, watching it. Now, I don't remember if I understood it the very, very first time I saw it. I can't remember. That was too long ago. But watching it this time, like the whole time I remember, this whole time I know, this whole scene is subtext. They're both bullcrapping each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I love it. You know, it's uh, it's so, especially Wei Yun. You know, Cisco can pull it off, but that is who Wei Yun is. And Jeff mm-hmm. Combs is Wei Yun, and it's so great. Um, uh, Zial gets her moment with Garrick. They actually kiss. I had to like check that again. I didn't remember that exactly. Mm. You know, of course, Lead and, mm. and Rom have their goodbye, you know, and then Lita immediately spit, splits and uh, everybody else we talked about has th- their different goodbyes. Um, 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 Worf and Dax and I'm sure I'm forgetting other people. Uh, my favorite goodbye was, was Cisco, his, his quick speech, you know, saying goodbye to a few people on the promenade there before, before he gets beamed to the, the Defiant. I, I find that emotional. He says, he says, you know, basically he says, I belong here, you know, and that's, that's something that he's come to over the course of, of six seasons, you know, and, and then we, we end with that baseball message, <laughs> the mm-hmm. baseball sitting. There's just so much. And I mean, that, and that's just scratching the surface and that's just a big list which is not mm-hmm. something we normally do on this podcast, but I thought this episode deserved it. Um, I really love watching this episode. And the downside to this episode being so good is that I don't think I could just, it would be like watching, um, I don't know, Star Trek Two without watching Star Trek Three. if Star Trek Three took 52 hours to watch. <laughs> you know? I can't watch, I couldn't watch this episode without wanting to finish the series. 
Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, so that's a, that's a positive statement for this for this episode. Unfortunately, it means that I can't just watch this episode anytime I want because it's so good. <laughs> um, so, Ira Bear has talked about that it's a, an episode about goodbyes. Um, we talked about it briefly. Uh, that's that's one of many themes that this episode um, very accurately and appropriately discusses that helps it hold up. Is there anything else we want to talk about that it's about? Um, guys? I think that it, in, in a way it can be about war and dealing with war and how you deal with just the repercussions that come with it and preparation for that. I mean, I think that a lot of this episode has a lot to do with preparing for this enemy that's basically coming towards you to kill you. And in addition to the goodbyes, to me, this episode is, you know, having to come up with a way to deal with that. Well, you know, they really painted the Federation into a corner. You know, the the Dominion keeps signing these non-aggression packs with everybody that mm-hmm. <laughs> might have had any chance to be allies with the Federation. And of course, when they sign that non-aggression pact with the Romulans, that just takes them over the edge. And we know how that's going to turn out from an mm-hmm. episode in the sixth season, Pale Moonlight, with it's such a yeah. fantastic episode. Can't wait to talk about that one. Um, but, you know, eventually the Federation, that's why that, that line that Cisco has is so great. You know, we're losing the peace, which means war could be the only, our only hope. You know, eventually we're going to run out of options here. Um, and we never take war lightly. But if... If we're going to choose war, the time is now because later it's going to be less effective. You know, we're going to have even fewer options. Um. When I was watching this episode, I was curious about the, the reasonings for going to war. I, I think they're kind of set up in the, the previous episode when everybody's depressed and, you know, they keep hearing about ships being lost. And without what for with for me without watching that episode and seeing that setup for this episode it would have been a little let because there's not if you think about the federation they're they're usually not the first aggressors and in in this situation i kind of felt they were i mean they, i think this season mining the wormhole mining yeah wormhole. yeah it's, it's very is that, aggressive is that aggressive oh yeah it's very aggressive yeah. no i agree uh, I think this um, this series and we'll get into this later could have used um, could have used one more episode in here about what the Dominion was doing to them, specifically focusing on that. Um, now, saying all that, I still love the episode, and, and you know the reasoning still works for me. But um, it was just a little bit like, really. I mean, you know, first of all, they set up the mi- the mines. They don't really have any kind of real negotiations with the Dominion, and other than the fact that the, that the Dominion has been just signing treaties with a bunch of people, they really hadn't been aggressive. Yeah, well, openly yeah. aggressive towards the Federation. In if a way, in this scenario, think, you know, if if the U.S. is like the Federation, yeah, yeah, if but I don't start, want to, I, I, yeah, I don't want to think of it that way because well, I was just going to say if, if we started putting mines, you know, all around uh, every waterfront entrance to say, you know, uh, Iran or something, um, <laughs> I would say, well, but we're not attacking you; we're just putting mines up. <laughs> yeah. That would yeah. be an invitation to war, certainly. Yeah. So I, I just would, um, like I said, I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I think they just could have really used one more episode just dealing with how um, how the Dominion was was behaving, how devious or whatever um, they were behaving. You know, it's all kind of just like um, assumed that they're they're bad. 
and obviously, you know, we've seen episodes where they've gotten into skirmishes and stuff like that, but I haven't really seen an episode where they were like, really like, okay, we got to be wary of these guys like blowing us away because up to, up to this point, they really hadn't done anything. It was just all kind of speculation and assumption. I had a similar thought. I was thinking about you know, World War II, and I, I don't remember the guy's name, but you know, remember the Peace in Our Time guy? So the the diplomat that the Brit, British diplomat that went and, and Neville Chamberlain or remember? right Chamberlain, yeah. yeah, yeah, Neville Chamberlain. He, he he kept going and making these agreements with Germany, and then Germany would break the agreements, and then they would go back and make a new agreement. You know, mm-hmm. and Germany would right. break. Germany kept. They just kept creeping in, a little bit, taking a little bit more, taking, taking that little the the place in France, and you know, and just taking this and taking that, and um, finally came back and said, "Nope, we did it again. We, this time, it's really we have peace in our time, and we settled it." You know, <laughs> and and it took somebody. It, he was he was never he was just going to give it give in every time. It, at some point, you needed somebody that was going to stand up and and stand up to them. Um, and call them on it and stop them, even if it meant war. Um, and the scene between Cisco and Wei Yun, it did feel a tiny bit like we skipped that. Yeah. Like, and, and we wouldn't, and that, and that makes sense because Cisco is a strong. He's he's the leader of our, of our show. We don't. We wouldn't want him to be weak. But you know, so I wouldn't have wanted him to be the peace in our time guy. But maybe if there'd been someone else, you know. Maybe if there mm-hmm. if there had just been something that did make it even more clear that they that they are the aggressors and not us, then it would have made it would have made mining the wormhole ever so slightly more justified. You know, mm-hmm. so I did I did think that during that scene between the two of them, that 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 could have made it. Um, mm-hmm. That makes sense. A little better. Yeah. So I see you know, where you're coming from, Adam. I do see yeah. where you're coming from. And then, I'm not to say that the Dominions are nice people. <laughs> nice yeah, yes. I mean, you just kind of got to go far back into this particular season mm-hmm. to see um, see their aggression. And um, you know, like the last several the last several episodes have really not been about anything Dominion wise, except for maybe just the very last one the, in the cards. And um, you know, we we talked about that one. That was kind of a lighthearted episode. So um. I don't know. I would have liked to maybe seen maybe just rearrange the episode for a little bit. You know, we were talking about the flow. Um, I don't know. Maybe instead of having you know um, O'Brien running around a, a, well, a broken down space station, they could have had uh, an episode. Um, well, we've really- seen we've seen the Dominion do so many evil things. We've seen them do terrible, terrible things. But it's all been very small scale, right? You know, it's more like when you add all these things together, you know. Then mm-hmm. war is our only option, and it's it's imperative that we stop them. Um, but you know, when it's all those things separate, they're all these little bitty 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 things. You know, it's it's one ship or you know one scenario, one planet where we hear about something bad they did or whatever. So just it's never this massive. Yeah. You know, but then but then you got to ask, well, what could ever justify? truly justify such a large war and so many casualties and things and maybe there's nothing in which case you know i don't know it's these are big these are these are important questions and i think what you're getting at is that you know if there'd been something that asked one of those questions a little bit but yeah well we'll get into that into season six discussion a little yeah. bit a little bit more well, pale moonlight's going to be a nice discussion on that topic i think yeah you know just the sure. justifications of of um war and <laughs> lies <laughs> Okay, so we definitely went over on time in this one, but I think it it deserved it. It was warranted. Okay. 
All right, everybody ready for six degrees for call to arms? Mm-hmm. All right, so we got uh, Benji, Infinite, and you guys, uh, Caesar and uh, Steve, you each have one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Steve, tell me the order everybody's going in. Fast. <laughs> um, yeah, me, Adam, Benji. Okay. Steve, KC Biggs returns as Damar, Ducat's right-hand man. In which DS9 season did he play Dr. Wyckoff, Benny Russell's doctor in the 1950s? In what season? Yes, sir. Is that episode? Um... Uh, sixth. That is incorrect. Okay. Uh, you said, oh, I, I was thinking. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You see, I when I was slightly short question. You said you and then Adam, right? Yeah. Adam. Yeah. Adam. What season? Um, seven. That is correct. Uh, two one infinity. Uh, Adam Chase Masterson returns as Lita, just long enough to marry Rom and get sent to Bajor. In what season did Masterson first play Lita? <laughs> Hello? You there? <laughs> yeah, he's there. He's there. <laughs> That's the sound of his brain thinking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your answer? Adam? Um, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking to Benji, dude. Sorry. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. Adam, yes, sorry, Adam. I'm sorry. My bad. I'm what season is Chase Masterson first play Lita? Oh, goodness. I feel embarrassed. Um, four. Incorrect. Uh, Benji, what season was it? Season three. You are correct. Season three. Uh, Benji, J.G. Hersler returns as Martok, the Klingon officer that buys the Defiance the time they need to finish mining the wormhole. In Enterprise's second season, he plays the Klingon lawyer Kolos. He is charged with defending Archer when Archer is found guilty and Kolos protests. They are both sent to the same Klingon prison. Name it. Rorapente. That is correct. Rorapente. Benji. Awesome. You, you got like every question, right? Yeah, I usually he's, 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 he's infinity. Well, he's like infinity for real because he actually got every question. <laughs> and then for you guys, it was uh, two to one in Caesar's favor, I believe. Yes. All right. Yeah, that was a tricky question, Steve. I know. Uh, so uh, we would like to do a quick season re- six uh, recap. Um, man, when I was going over this. Excuse me, season five recap. Sorry, when I was going over the um, the the episode list, I was like, God, this. I always remember five and six are my favorite seasons, but six I always remember as being my absolute favorite. Um, I'll have a better sense of that. I think we'll see if that still holds up after we go through season six. But the list of season five episodes that I really liked is long. Looking for Parmok in all the wrong places. Trials and tribulations. The ascent. Rapture. Darkness and light. The two-parter in Purgatory Shadow by Inferno's Light, Ties of Blood and Water, and then, of course, Call Tarms, we just talked about. I really love all of those episodes, and plenty of other episodes that are very good that I didn't even talk about, but those are episodes that I just love, and that's a lot for one season. It's mm-hmm, a great season. Mm-hmm. Every season's gotten better. Um, <laughs> what are yours? I, I assume you guys have similar uh, episodes on you know, your favorites from this season. Yeah, I'm sorry I zoned out. I actually was thinking about six and if it would play out in um, today's time. Because, you, you know, you mentioned um, Battlestar, how fast-paced it is. And, you know, that's the same of, um, you know, most other kind of sci-fi shows like Lost or Fringe, what have you. I mean, they're really, 
you know, pedal to the metal. And um, I think that's kind of what makes Star Trek a little bit, especially DS9. And I don't know if that's, if it would work now, but at, at least to me, it still kind of, it still works. Cause we have this, like so much of this setup and we have so much of this character development. And, and even in the season, I, I mean, you know, I was looking back at it and, you know, we have this such, we were talking about, we have this build up to the dominion war. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I was looking through the episodes, I'm like, really, we don't. I mean, we have a lot of, um, standalone episodes. We have a lot of episodes that deal with other character development, there's not a whole lot of Dominion. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about the Dominion and obviously we're called to arms, but I didn't see a lot of it there. And yet I still remember it being there. And um, it was kind of weird to me if that would work today, if you could be able to pace out a whole season where it doesn't really have a lot to do with what you're really saying, but it has a lot to do with like character development and setting up story and, and all that intrigue. And, and to, well, this is the, the last season that I remember feeling like, <clears throat> it was more of the traditional Star Trek season where there were more standalone kind of episodes than not. And maybe that's not true of six and seven, but my memories of six and seven are, are more war. Are the war. <laughs> Biggest character changes. I just, I just wanted to point out about, um, uh, Cisco, I think, you know, with episodes like rapture, mm-hmm. as he matures, he becomes more and more comfortable with his role as, um, emissary, um, and you know, it kind of culminates in that episode Rapture, which is such a great episode. I still love that episode uh, with him uh, essentially choosing Bajor over the Federation and, and assume, uh, choosing his role as emissary over um, his role as captain in the, of the, Feder- in the Federation. And if you know, compare that to the Cisco from the first season, and you can really see how far he's come and um, how far the show has come. And you know, and, uh, there are some characters that maybe didn't have much uh, room for growth this, this season um, that are going to get more growth soon. Um, anybody you guys want to comment on? Um, I would agree with Odo. I think Odo's got probably out of all the characters, the most room for growth. Um, so we see a lot of his progression. It's, it's easy to see Odo's progression um, from series to series, um, just because he starts off as such a stern character to begin with. And so, um, Cisco and I agree with you about Cisco, Cisco and pretty much everybody else well I'm so excited to get into season 6 <laughs> you know several episodes I'm excited for y'all to get into season 6 cool <laughs> I can't wait to rewatch Pale Moonlight again and Far Beyond the Stars and there's a bunch more I'm, I'm very excited about it so um, Benji uh, before we let you go um, so you've you've been doing your own podcast now um, yeah, off and on. I've kind of just put it on hold, not necessarily indefinitely or anything, but I'm just still kind of on somewhat of a lookout for a co-host. And well, if any of our listeners, because, uh, you know, are interested in doing a podcast, they could check out your podcast and see if there's something they'd be interested in. They could contact you. Where can they find your your own podcast? Uh, you can find it at iTunes. It's called 24th Century Earth, and they can email me at benjamincs at AOL.com. Um, it's intended to be a podcast going through all of the franchise chronologically, so I've started with Enterprise. I'm still in, this, in the first season of it. Um, you know, I, I know, Brian, you listened to the first couple of episodes that I did, yeah. and then I actually later went and remade them, and... Um, yeah, I know the first ones I did were really terrible, and now I think I've gone from really terrible to just kind of crappy. There's a lot of good information in there, that's for sure. A lot of good information. We thank you very much for joining in the conversation 
in our conversation. Um, you know, Absolutely. I, I want to thank everybody for uh, joining us on this. This, um, you know, we we talked about it. I know it's been months ago, but we said we were going to do this listener uh, guest thing, and um, and we did it. Started at the very beginning of our season five, and we finished it out today at the end of season five with Benji. And I think it went really great. And I thank everybody that that joined us, and including you very much, Benji. Thank you. Thank you, and I, I appreciate y'all. You know, having people join in because there's a lot of podcasts out there that you know these people have you know big fans that would love to be on their on their show. And I mean, I've I've heard you know people make comments for that they're not going to have listeners on their show. So that's not something that you get with every show. And um, you guys have been great since you started. Um, so cool. it's, it's been a fun ride. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing what y'all do after DS9. So I don't, I don't guess y'all have decided on that yet, have you? We, we have discussed it. I think we've made a decision, um, and we'll probably be announcing that in the next couple of months. So Cool. Yeah. So well, thanks again, and uh, so glad that you've been um, such a regular listener. And um, I've, I've enjoyed our emails and talking track with you, and uh, hope to hear from you again soon. And um, all of our audience, we will catch you in a couple weeks as we discuss uh, kickoff DS9's sixth season. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. See you. All right. See ya. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. That's at Trek Companion. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Our website is trekcompanion.com. And you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. The greatest thing you can do for us would be leave us a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. And we will catch you next time. <laughs>